So you know, I just want to to bid a good afternoon to all of you next gen out there. So you know, it's really a privilege for me to be able to 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 preach again to share this message that the Lord has left in my heart. So I think today we'll be visiting the the story of the Samaritan woman at the well in John four. So do prepare your Bibles. Okay, take them out, bookmark John four. Okay, because we'll be referring to that very very shortly. Okay, so last week. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember, but let me give you a quick refresher. Last week we had Jason Wong share on the heart of evangelism, okay? So which was derived, which is essentially derived from the heart of the Father God, of our Father God, for His lost children. You know, he also pushed for this one for Jesus movement, which is essentially the idea of reaching out to at least one person in the next decade, just one person in the next ten years. And I really pray that as you seek the Lord to put that name in your heart, that you will also feel the burden for that person. Okay, so I was so as uh, Sam and I have been talking about earlier. So we'll be embarking on this new sermon series called Edja, and the title of my sermon today is the Samaritans in our life. Okay, so next week Sam will be preaching. So look forward to that. Oh my goodness, it will be so fun. Okay, so we really do look forward to to Sam's sermon next week. So do tune in then. Okay, so the big idea of my message today is uh, we must reach out to all people, even the difficult to reach. Okay, so before we that, can I commit this time in prayer? Come, join me in prayer. Father Lord, we just want to thank you again that we get this space to to really worship, to listen to your word, and just be at the at the foot of the cross, just enjoying your presence. Father, even as uh, I share the word today, I pray, oh God, that you will speak through me. And, and, and Father, I pray, oh God, for your Holy Spirit to guide me and guide my, my, tongue, my tongue even as I move through this sermon. Whatever that is not of you, Father, I pray, oh God, that you remove. But whatever that is from you, I pray, oh God, that you emphasize the word and may it fall on the good soil of everyone listening. So we thank you for being this amazing, amazing God to us. Uh, we, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Amen. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, you know, friends, at this point, you know, you must have heard it just about a million times about how we are living in end times, right? Jesus is coming back soon. You know, you must have heard it so many times. But as you hear this sentence, Jesus is coming back soon, I really wonder what your feelings and thoughts about this are. You know, the recent census on Singapore has revealed a very troubling statistic. It showed me that the growth in Christianity in Singapore have been pretty much negligible the past decade. And on top of that, we have also been spending millions of dollars in the churches in Singapore. Furthermore, it has been shown that more and more of the younger people, people of our age in the next gen, are choosing not to be affiliated with any religion at all. You know, and I really wonder if that is because we stopped sharing, you know, or we lost the urgency for the loss. Or maybe a few of you may be like me when I was younger and deep down somewhere, you harbor this ungodly belief that some people might not be worth the effort. 
You know, let me share with you a story back when I was still serving as an NSF. You know, so I remember then during our church retreat, at one of the prayer sessions, okay, God spoke to me in a vision. You know, and till today, I remember the vision because it was very vivid. Okay, so uh, the vision was me in a throne room. Okay, there was these like massive pillars everywhere. There were many massive pillars. And the pillars were all so high that you couldn't see the top of it. So you bet you couldn't see the roof. And the surrounding was just this wonderful golden shine, you know, everywhere. And at the end of this room, I could see, uh, I could see this massive throne, right? And on that throne, I saw this massive figure. Everything was quite overwhelming, you know. And this, the figure, I couldn't see the face because it was shining very, very brightly. I couldn't make out any details on his face. But I knew in that instance that I was in the presence of God. You know, I was so overwhelmed that I was bowed face down to the ground. But in that instance, I felt God picking me up and settling my head on his lap. Then all I wanted to do after that was to just enjoy his presence. You know, until God spoke these words to me. Tell Jack that Jesus loves him. Uh, Jack is not his name, just, uh, just so you know. But after that moment, right, I was just extremely confused and reluctant because Jack was this guy from my army division. You know, he had this uh, vulgar demeanor behind him. And he would always ask me, you know, to, to ask him what he did in the weekends. And then he would proceed to brag about all the bad things that he done. You know, very, you know, he posts about doing all these bad things. Suffice to say, he was no saint. And until today, regretfully, I chose not to obey God. I didn't tell Jack that God loves him. You know, I'm sharing this experience with you so that you will not go down this route with me, as me and, and, and go through this same regret because of some foolish prejudice deep down. You know, for some reason, I had condemned Jack because I found his lifestyle contrary to the ideal Christian lifestyle. And I wonder if you too have Jacks in your life. You know, today, we are going to refer to the story of the Samaritan woman by the well. And we'll come to find that Jesus himself has also encountered a sinner. A sinner that lived a lifestyle that is completely contrary to the ideal Christian. But from his example, you know, let's see together how the exchange went. Okay, so uh, I'll be reading from John 4, verses 4 to 9. Okay, so let's read that. Verse 4, it reads, He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there as well, was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well around noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his, disciple had, his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And this is like the setup to the meeting between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. From this encounter, you know, I want to share with you two hours that I learned from Jesus and how he shared something with her 
that will change her life forever. The first R is that we must reframe from judging others. Okay, so maybe sometimes, you know, when we are considering or thinking if we should even reach out to a particular person, we start to calculate in our heads all sorts of things about this person. Will he be too proud to listen to me? Will she be too ignorant to understand me? Or worse still, like me in my story, isn't he too sinful? You know, he, he's too bad to receive the gospel, right? On hindsight, that sounds like an irony, right? But as we know today, these are exactly the people who need Jesus. And if they need Jesus and I need Jesus, why should we be judging them? You know, now going back to the passage, we read in the passage earlier and we'll come to find that the woman was surprised that Jesus would even speak to her. Now, there are many reasons why she would be surprised and why, Jesus, and why had Jesus followed the standard conventions of the day? As a Jew, he should have completely passed her by and no one would fault Jesus for doing so. You know, in fact, let me offer you four reasons why any other Jew would have passed the Samaritan woman completely by. Okay? The very first reason is geography. If you were a Jew in those days, you know, if you were heading towards Galilee from Judea, despite knowing uh, that Samaria is right smack in the middle, and if you go through Samaria, that is the shortest distance, despite knowing that, uh, the, the, the Jews will always go around Samaria. Okay? Most of them will go around Samaria, walk around along the river, and completely bypass Samaria. I'll explain shortly why the Jews do that. But here, when we read this portion of scripture, we see that Jesus didn't. Okay, Jesus went against the usual route of a Jewish person as he traveled through Samaria to Galilee from Judea. So that's the first reason, geography. The second reason is ethnicity differences. Now, the woman was a Samaritan, right? And Samaritans and Jews have history, bad history. Okay, which is why Jews right, will make this extra effort to bypass Samar Samaria completely as they journey. Okay, because Samaritans, right, they are actually Jews, but they are mixed with some Gentile bloodline. Okay, so as far as the Jews are concerned, the Samaritans are like the betrayers, you know, and the sinners who, who default their pure Jewish lineage. And they are deemed unfit to even worship in the same place as them pure blood Jews. But again, despite that, Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, completely overlooked the ethnicity, the ethnicity differences and ministered to this Samaritan woman. And the third reason is culture. Strictly speaking in those days, as opposed to today, uh, men do not speak to women in public. You know, as far as the early Jews are concerned, the women were treated more like property than an equal person. You know, thank God that's not the case today because if I had treated my girlfriend Jenna like property and ignored many of her inputs, my life would be whew, bad. <laughs> so for Jesus to actually speak to a woman in public, in the middle of the day especially, that was not normal. Okay, that was countercultural. But again, we see Jesus willing to go against culture to speak to this woman. And the fourth reason is social. 
Okay, now if you notice in verse 6, this woman was actually drawing water around noontime, okay, in the middle of the day. Most women in those days, they would draw water either in the morning or evening because of a very simple reason, okay? And that is because it's just way too hot to, to draw water. Okay, remember that she's not only drawing water, it's, it's an effort in that itself. She's also carrying the water home, right? So for this woman to draw water in the scorching heat like that, she must have hated something even more than the heat itself. You know, many scholars believe that this Samaritan woman was actually a social outcast. Someone who probably had a bad reputation behind her and was probably trying to avoid the other villagers, you know, to avoid their gossip. But again, we see that Jesus, that didn't stop Jesus from approaching her and speaking to her. So similarly, when we see these four factors, geography, ethnicity differences, culture, and social, this may actually hinder us from sharing our faith to somebody. Too inconvenient. Too, insens- too sensitive. Too risky. Too awkward. Yet Jesus overcame these four barriers. The Samaritan woman checked all of the boxes of a person who should have been passed by easily. But Jesus overcame these four barriers to share good news to her. Jesus did not judge her. And if that wasn't enough reasons to pass the Samaritan woman by, it appears that she was also living a sinful lifestyle. Okay, let's read from uh, John 4, 16 to 19. Okay, verse 16 reads, Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. (laughs) You know, I really love her response. You must be a prophet. You know, but, but seriously speaking, even in today's standards and culture, on the surface, it really does appear that this Samaritan woman was living some kind of promiscuous lifestyle. She has had five ex-husbands and is even currently cohabitating with a man who is not even her husband. You know, on the surface, she appears sinful, right? But let me offer you a counter-consideration. What if I told you that this woman might not be as sinful as we might have perceived her to be? You know, we've got to remember that in those days, men were the agents of divorce. Meaning to say that only men could legally divorce a woman. In some cases, uh, women didn't even have the choice of who they, they married. Now, while it is clear that she is a sinner, and please don't get me wrong, I am not playing down the weight of sin. But before judging this woman as a sinner, is it possible that maybe, just maybe, she was a victim of five ex-husbands who made bad decisions? Have we considered that maybe she was misunderstood? You know, while Jesus pointed all these things out, you know, at no point did Jesus ever condemn her. You know, conversely, we see Jesus ministering and sharing the good news with the woman. 
And similarly, before we start to judge someone of their sins, perhaps there are some factors that we haven't considered fully. Maybe the bully at school is going through a difficult time at home. Maybe your demanding sergeant in the army has just gone through a breakup. Or maybe that difficult boss at work is facing a divorce at home. Again, while I am not justifying the sin, perhaps when we consider these things, then we come to realize that we could be that Samaritan woman. And yet, God still chose to save us. Wow. And if Jesus, despite knowing all her history of sin, and can still choose to love her and share the good news with her, then we can most definitely do the same. We must reach out to all people, even the difficult to reach. Now, moving to my second R of today. The second R I have is that we need to redirect people to Jesus. You know, sharing the gospel is essentially sharing about Jesus, right? About what Jesus has done for us, about, about how Jesus has saved us. You know, the gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done for us. But now, when we continue reading the verse, we'll come to find that this Samaritan woman was actually seeking for her thirst to be quenched. She may, she may even have tried to find fulfillment in life through multiple relationships. But you and I know that imperfect people cannot satisfy imperfect people. And that is exactly why we need Jesus who is perfect. Now when we redirect people to, to Jesus, we are referring them to the spring that brings eternal life. This makes our job so much easier because we are not making empty promises. Okay, we are not making empty promises that we cannot keep. We are merely referring them to a God who has been consistently loving, consistently present, and consistently powerful. And our job is to share about Jesus, who is the answer to our needs. 1 Corinthians 3.6 reads, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Let God do the growing. However, you know, all that said, easier definitely doesn't mean no effort. Okay? So let us see this engagement between Jesus. Uh, let's go back to the engagement between Jesus and the woman. Okay, you'll come to find that on three occasions that this woman actually rebutted Jesus. Firstly, when Jesus asked for water, the woman's response in verse 9, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Then, when Jesus offered her the living water, her response in verse 11, But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And then again in verse 20, after Jesus pointed out her sins. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is, a, is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here 
at Mount Gerizet, where our ancestors worship. She just like tai chi away the tai chi away the question. But the beauty in all of this is that in response to all three of this rebuttal, Jesus pointed her back to himself. Jesus never at one point retaliated angrily or drowned her in theology. Jesus offered her the living water in verse 10. He reads, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you living water. Jesus reminds her in verse 21, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it no longer matters whether you worship the Father on this mountain or, on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Worship is not confined to a particular geography or location. And Jesus even shows in verse 23, true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You know, all of the above point, points, point, all of the above points her back to himself. I am the living water. You can worship me anywhere in spirit and in truth. We do not need to retaliate or argue. We only need to redirect the people to Jesus. You know, when I was a SEC1 cell leader many years ago, I can certainly tell you that I was completely indifferent about all things Christian. But the more I thought about Jesus to the SEC1s then, the more I learned and the closer I grew to Jesus. When we redirect people to Jesus, there is a, it's very likely that you know, we are in turn redirected to Jesus as well. And we will start to love all people like Jesus does and slowly but surely adopt God's very own heart for His people. And just to finish up the story that I had shared at the start, after I had Oadid, you know, I, I just felt led to, to head back to Jack's Facebook page. And I saw this post he posted. Thank you, Lord, for hearing me. Okay, so this is the same Jack that I, that I refused to, to share the gospel with. I was elated for him, you know, because he, he met Christ, he met God. But before I was elated, before I was happy, I was extremely shocked. Because someone else had put down all their prejudice. Someone else had put down all their judgment and had reached out to him to redirect him to God. Now Jack was the one testifying for God. How I wish I had reframed from judging Jack. How I wish I had redirected Jack to God. And similarly in the story, the Samaritan woman, remember she's a social outcast, she's a sinner. She ran back to the village, to the people that she hated. She ran back to the people that she refused to, to speak with. And she ran back in urgency. Okay, reading from verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. She heard the good news and couldn't contain it no more. She stopped seeing the people who are gossiping about her and she shared the word. 
And what follows was that many Samaritans believed in Jesus. You know, reading from verse 42, the very last verse of this story, then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because of what we heard from him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. Our job is to redirect people to God. And then God will transform their hearts. Last week, Jason Wong said it so well. If you don't have the heart for evangelism, the house of evangelism becomes pointless. When you love God and His people, then you adopt God's very own Father heart for His people. And then even the most difficult people to love, the Samaritans in your life, even them, even the misunderstood, even the lonely, the hurting, the confused, all these people will become your burden to bear. And so even as we come to this point of the sermon, I just want to get all of us to respond directly to God. I don't know where you are, but I I just want to ask you to quieten your own hearts so that you can listen to what the Lord has for you today. You know, I felt very strongly for the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit to, to speak and to pray for a very specific group of people. For the first group of people, these are the people that at some point of your life, you have had this fiery passion for the Lord. You know, you had this fiery passion for the loss. Everything you do, every opportunity you could to save somebody, every opportunity you could to reach the lost, to share the gospel, you are there. But along the way, something happened. Something happened. I don't know what happened. It could be accumulation of rejections or accumulation of of rejections or even questions that you couldn't answer. But slowly but surely, you feel this fire fading. And today, I pray that as you listen to the word the Lord has left in my heart for you, you will be encouraged. And this is what the Lord says. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be there with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Father Lord, I just want to commit this group of people into your hands. Father, I pray, O oh God, that even as they, they strive, even as they see their passion slowly waning, I pray, O oh God, that you keep that fire burning. And as they keep that fire burning, Father, I pray, O oh God, that they will turn their attention to you. They will turn their hearts to you. Father, I pray, O oh God, that you remind them and you revitalize them and you keep their fire burning again. Father, you remind them 
of your mission here on earth. You remind them of your great commission that you have left them. And you remind them of the little victories that they have won even as they shared the gospel, your good news to your people. So Father, we pray, O oh God, that even as these people listen to you, even as they are ministered by you, I pray, O oh God, that you speak to them. And for the second group of people, these are the people that maybe you are like me in my story. Maybe you have had this judgmental view of people and you know that and you know that that is hindering you from reaching out to people. You know, you know that. And today, I pray, oh God, that you will speak to them as well. For these people, this is what the Lord has for you today. Lay your prejudice down on this altar. Lay down on this altar so that at the end of the day, you can continue to redirect people back to Jesus, back to God, back to the good news. Today, I pray that the Lord will speak to you. Today, I pray that the Lord will convict you. Today, I pray that the Lord will reinvigorate your heart to, to have this passion for the loss. I don't know where you are, I don't know who you are, but I pray that you look to the Lord. I pray that you let the Lord humble your hearts. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for, for, forget, for not remembering our sins. And even as we go through this life, even as we go through this journey, whatever journey we are on, we pray, O oh God, that your heart for the loss will be our heart for the loss. We pray, O oh God, that even as we move in these seasons of life, that you will be our minister. So Father, for the people, O oh God, who knows for us, continuously put judgment before redirection. Pray, O oh God, that you speak to us, you speak to them, you convict our hearts. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for being this amazing God to us. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. <laughs>